Hey, faith family. Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast at Calvary Bible, where we go beyond the Sunday sermon to explore some rabbit holes and to bring some biblical truths to the surface. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Calvary Bible Church, welcome back. Randy, thanks for being with me again. It is my pleasure. As if you had a choice. My pleasure. You should get a job at Chick-fil-A. My that pleasure. would be fun. That would be fun. I would enjoy that. Yeah. I've often thought I would enjoy working there. Uh, you know, I was... Fast-paced, though. Yeah. Wow. So I was at Chick-fil-A the other day, and I ate a kid's meal. His mom wasn't very happy with me. <laughs> uh, see what I have to put up with? <laughs> just, uh, just because I agreed to do Beyond Sunday with him. Oh, hey, sometimes you just need lighthearted moments, especially after a week of talking about the divine, the divine council. council. Yeah. So, Randy, um, this is going to be, I, I have no idea how long this is going to take. Probably less than 20 minutes, I bet. I doubt it, but maybe, sure. maybe we'll see. Yeah. Uh, got a handful of questions that came in about that, but, and it's not and, rocket science. Well, no, not, not much <laughs> is rocket science, just rocket science. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> The one of the purposes, the primary driving force behind the podcast is to talk about what does it look like to live out God's word beyond Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so the divine counsel questions, because that's a new idea for a lot of people. That's obviously something that they're curious about. Mm-hmm. And while it doesn't necessarily affect Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, like really applicably, like just a direct application. Um it can and does to a point. And then it also, I think, where it's going to be helpful, I'm hoping at least anyway, is that we can fill in the like the biblical mind of the church, myself included. So divine counsel. Dun, dun, I know. Dun. Here we come. You ready? I like that video that they that we showed. The, yeah. Those um the animation especially as I said, the part about the, the, the angelic being leaving that bubble mm-hmm. and then distorting, just getting, yeah, becoming distorted on the outside of the bubble into our realm. That was pretty cool. Yeah. They do a lot of really subtle things like that in those videos that I think are that was good. Helpful. Um, and then of course the impact of the, uh, the impact of the angelic beings on the kings in power when they showed the throne, person on the throne, but then the from the top down, yeah. the influence was also very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think that was helpful. Uh, I, I, had, I think Austin actually said to me on Monday, he would have been totally lost without that video. Because again, it's just such a, it's a foreign thing. Mm-hmm. In the 21st century, we know that there are spiritual beings and there's of things called we call spiritual warfare, mm-hmm. but when the Bible talks about it, sometimes it's 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 otherworldly, and yeah. it's easy to just gloss over it and mm-hmm. not think too hard about it. So, anyway, here we go. You ready for question number one? All set. Um, is the divine council the same beings as the angels? I, it certainly includes them. It includes them, so it's not yeah. necessarily an equal sign. Divine counsel does not equal angels. It would yeah. be like angels plus what equals divine counsel. Yeah, I don't know what the plus might be. <clears throat> the Apparently in Scripture, the angels have some hierarchy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they're all there or just the, the key ones are there. And then again, 
this is Hebrew poetry, so we're always wrestling with the imagery, mm -hmm. and this is conveyed, no doubt, uh, with a familiarity, uh, because of familiarity with the ancient Near Eastern mindset and what they thought about the world. And so even that video, you know, some people doubt that reading of, you know, they look up into the sky and what did they see? But the biblical idea back then, um, certainly um, that that biblical idea of there are other powerful beings up there, mm -hmm. um, but who they are, what they are, you know. So angelic beings, I would say for sure, more than likely because of this context, fallen beings. Mm -hmm. And then uh, a lot of people would say that it would include these God's little G's that are either real or imaginary coming out of the ancient Near Eastern world, mm -hmm. like all the Canaanite gods and so forth. Do they exist or not is a huge, you know, uh, that's a huge debate. Mm -hmm. Are there really other gods or not? And so uh, one of the guys that I consulted the last couple of weeks, you know, he used that phrase, uh, either imaginary or real. Mm -hmm. These deities, uh, these powers, these superpowers, uh, so it's possibly that's all part of that divine counsel. Yeah. So in at least in Asaph, the songwriter's mind, there are other gods. Yeah, I gave the translation. Uh, it was important to give the translation of, you know, divine counsel. Mm -hmm. The word divine is coming from the Hebrew El. Yeah. So you're looking at an, an assembly of gods uh, or an assembly of God a council or a congregation of God, of El, mm -hmm. which is, uh, El was the, the primary, the main, most powerful Canaanite deity. El. Okay. Yeah, and what, what, you know, what, what we often cons uh, refer to as the pantheon, the mm -hmm. group of gods, El is the top, the top dog. And so in verse 1 it reads, God has taken his place in the divine mm -hmm. council, mm -hmm. In the midst of the gods, mm -hmm. he holds judgment. Uh, so God, at the very beginning of verse 1, mm -hmm. God has taken his place. It's the same word, isn't it? Elohim. That's Elohim. In, in this, as in the second part of the verse, in the midst of the, the gods, he holds. Elohim. So it's the same mm -hmm. word. And El is the the big Canaanite God, mm -hmm. and then... But also a shortened version of Elohim, uh, you know, throughout yeah. the Old Testament, not always referring to the Canaanite God. Mm -hmm. um, right, and so Elohim, isn't that that im at the end signifying plural? Mm -hmm. Yeah, most times. So, mm -hmm. I mean, our English translations there, they capitalize the first G, but mm -hmm. it's at the beginning of the sentence too, but I, mm -hmm. I think it's... It's talking, when I'm reading that, I'm thinking our God, mm -hmm. Yahweh, Correct. the creator God, has taken his place in the divine council mm -hmm. in the midst of, then it's lowercase g. So is that a case where the translators are interpreting here that the first Elohim mm -hmm. is referring to mm -hmm. creator God, yeah. the second Elohim is referring to these this ancient Near yeah. Eastern understanding of how the world works? Yeah. Uh, yes, they are doing some interpretation, and it's because of the context. So you have our God presiding, taking his place. I would prefer he's positioning himself uh, 
in this divine council, and I tried to say, you know, put him at the head of the table. He's presiding in this divine council. And then in the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. Mm -hmm. So if I remember correctly, he's our God is passing judgment on all these other gods. And I prefer to uh, think of them that way because of the power that they're given, uh, which is God. God delegated his authority to those beings to judge the world correctly. And, and uh, especially you see that in verse 3 and verse 4 with all of the, the commandments to do these things, do the right thing with, with these needy people, for these needy people. Mm -hmm. So in the context, it's pretty clear that it's our God that is now, uh, he's head over all these other um, deities, powerful beings, those in charge mm -hmm. of distributing uh, justice in the world. They're failing to do it. He's passing judgment on them, indicting them. Yeah, I think one of the things the video brought out that I thought was helpful was um, why does God need a staff team, they called it? Why does he mm -hmm. need people to delegate assignments yeah. to if he is all-powerful? Mm -hmm. and God, doesn't he? Can he just do it himself? Mm -hmm. um, but from all the accounts in Scripture, he doesn't just do things himself all the time. He, he brings people into the equation or other spiritual beings. He, he gives human opportunity to rule and reign too so we yeah. have adam yeah that's um, it that was his primary role right um, and ours yeah, so that right. shouldn't take us by surprise this idea that god delegates no. responsibility to other spiritual beings um and human beings and on earth yeah, yeah both yeah yeah mm -hmm. um does satan have a place in this mm -hmm. divine council so we see mm -hmm. a few angels named Satan is given specific, mm -hmm. Gabriel, Michael, mm -hmm. um, specific like names, and that set them apart from other messengers. Mm -hmm. You know, like I think of, um, you know, the night that Jesus is born, the host of heavens, the the armies of heaven just mm -hmm. light up the sky with the shepherds, and um, none of them are named. Mm -hmm. But we see other angels with specific places, names, and tasks. So. Yeah, and, and I didn't spend any time on it on Sunday, but mm -hmm. I did uh, when you when you raised the issue. I went to Job, and so in Job chapter one, uh, verse six. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. I could have easily put Job one in with what do we cover? We covered Genesis. Mm -hmm. Remember, we covered uh, Genesis six, Psalm two, and. The, the more familiar passage from Ephesians from, from Easter Sunday, Ephesians 1 and 2, I actually showed both. I could have easily put in Job uh, Job 1, 6. So there again, you have uh, the, son, the sons of God, that same type of language, came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And mm -hmm. that, that famous uh, dialogue between Satan and the Lord concerning Job. And so... There's another, um, you know, just another. Yeah, that, biblical that's a, example. That's a biblical example of not only one being named, but Satan's place in this divine council. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. what I, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Place at the table. Uh, like yeah, and, and of course, he's, you know, for us now in, the, in redemptive history, remember that Satan is the primary mover against the people of God, and so he incites... Uh, disbelief and disobedience in, in Genesis 3, 
He's the accuser of the brethren. Uh, we find out about the serpent's identity at the end of the Bible, I mean, in Revelation and so forth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so of course, he is, he is a big part of this, this powerful force operating uh, outside of the will of God with respect to their delegated authority. Mm -hmm. they're, not, they're not judging justly. They're actually destroying people instead of helping the needy. Yeah. Uh, so here's another question just mm -hmm. in that same realm. Yeah. Uh, from the sermon, it seemed to be the divine council. It seemed to be more focused on rulers who sit around the table and are there to be judged by God. Yet the video mentioned God sharing his authority with other deities, um, like the God of the sun or something. So uh, the video uses the, the, the metaphor of the, the stars in the sky, mm -hmm. the um, angelic, yeah. you know, these, yeah, the stars, mm -hmm. planets that they can see. And then it also, like you had the, the illustration or the, yeah, the picture of the kind of a boardroom table there mm -hmm. with the seat at the head being God's seat and then yeah. being able to see around. So um, is the divine council, are they being judged here in mm -hmm. 82? They are. They are. Um, yeah. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment, means he's passing judgment, administering justice. He's actually censuring that group, and we know that from verse 2. And... This just kind of popped into my mind here while we've been talking. Are these, are these angelic beings, these spiritual beings? Um, it, 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 my natural instinct was to say these are demonic type, like on Satan's side, mm -hmm. spiritual beings. Um, but then, as I'm reading it, it's why would God be asking them that? these questions, how long are you going to judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Are these potentially good spiritual beings that are kind of getting it, getting it wrong? They're, they're not holding their authority well? Because why would God, mm -hmm. why would sure. demonic or, or bad evil spiritual beings, why would they give justice to the weak? Or is this just God kind of setting the, the line? Yeah, the latter part. Okay. Yeah, this is God. Uh, this is God very much like the laments in the Psalms. This is God lamenting mm -hmm. the situation as well and expressing divine displeasure and disapproval of the way in which these superpowers are influencing the world leaders to carry out injustice all over the world. Okay. Uh, so I think maybe just two more questions here. Sure. Um, maybe three. Okay. Um, That's not bad. So one of the ideas, so the end of that last question, like the God of the sun or mm -hmm. something. So in the, in the video too, one of the things I think was helpful, and, and you mentioned it, was the, the ancient Near Eastern understanding of the cosmos, mm -hmm. the world. So what is their understanding? Like when they look up, they see what we know as the stars, these flaming mm -hmm. balls of gas. Um, how do they see them? I mean, from what I've read, they viewed those shining bodies, those shining bodies in heaven as deities. Okay. And so uh, when you come to the end of this psalm, and for instance, uh, for instance, arise, O God, verse eight, arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. 
The commentators are pretty quick to remind us that since we're following the ancient Near Eastern mindset at times, then everyone back then believed that each nation had its own God. And I did refer to that on mm -hmm. Sunday a little bit. So at the very end of this, when we say God judged the earth, he inevitably is judging all the earthly rulers who reject his rule. And they are in, uh, what would you say, they're in concert with these divine fallen superpowers. It, there's that that commingling again of the influence of the spiritual and the human, superhuman and the human. Mm -hmm. And God is going to judge them all, of course, at the end. Right. And I think one way that's helpful for us to look back at it then is that was a way that they understood the world. So yeah. to make sense of um, the spiritual world, yeah. they look up, they, they have this concept yeah. that God is above. And didn't they have an understanding that the world had like a dome over it and mm -hmm. then God was above? Like, yeah. so like, like there's the earth and there's the sky yeah. and then mm -hmm. God's above the sky. Yeah. And what we know about, you know, the world is that there's, as far as we know, there's not a cap to it, yeah. um, that God's above it, but he's outside of mm -hmm. this world. Um, and so when they look up and see these stars that we know the, the science behind mm -hmm. it, the mm -hmm. physical behind it, they see gods, yeah. Yeah. deities. Yeah. And, and so if I'm going in the wrong direction, just steer me back. But one of the things that's so important about this, and, um, you know, I try, I try my best on Sunday, but one of the values of Beyond Sunday is to remember that any, any discussion like this in Psalm 82 is simply designed to give you and me confidence in what God mm -hmm. is doing. So if there's any question about his authority, our God's authority on earth to help us, um, we have a psalm that makes it clear that even though these superpower forces are at work in our lives and in our world, mm -hmm. God does reign supremely. And in the end, uh, we ask for his kingdom to come because we know that that's where our ultimate hope lies. It should give us great confidence to live our lives for him. But also, it's a reminder of why does the world work the way it does? Why is it that the weak are always weak and that the powerful often hurt the weak? Why is that, what is, why, why is that so? And why is it that those of us with relative power uh, in our own relationships, why is it that we tend to misuse that? Uh, the psalm helps us remember what's, uh, what's driving all of this. It's all these spiritual forces. So it is, you know, for me, you know, there are so many questions, but what is clear in like Job, which we didn't do much with, uh, mm -hmm. but we did in Genesis 6. But in Job, uh, if Genesis 6 is showing the origin of a world gone mad, and then, of course, leading to the flood, the judgment of the flood, if Job shows Satan responsible for Job's condition and all the temptations that went with that and mm -hmm. the testing, if, if Satan is addressed by Jesus when Jesus should be saying something to Peter and he says to Peter, Satan, get behind, you know, get behind yeah. me. Mm -hmm. um, and if Satan himself is attacking Jesus, and I mean, we could go on and on and on until the end of the story in Revelation, where it is so clear that all these spiritual forces are determining how nations move. And then we didn't even talk about a connection that I learned on Saturday from a colleague. Um, 
Daniel, if if you're if you've read Daniel mm-hmm. and you think about the nations that are those key nations in Daniel chapter seven, for instance, just think about the connection with Psalm two, and the mm-hmm. kings of the earth saying to God, you know, we're going to cast off your you know these bonds and so forth. So there's so many there's so many places in Scripture that talk about the spiritual battle that we're in. Yeah, and so we have to know who's sovereign over it all or else we have no hope mm-hmm. so it reminds us where our help comes from because ultimately yeah. and i did not do a very good job with this but when you talk about verse three and verse four give justice to the weak and the fatherless maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute rescue the weak and the needy deliver them from the hand of the wicked that's all of that needy stuff that's us mm-hmm. and we are the ones that are, are, are under attack because we are a part of god's kingdom and that kingdom is being attacked by these superpowers, yeah. according to Psalm 2, which is the introduction, remember, to the whole Psalter. Right. So that's us. Yeah. No. You, before you got going, you said, correct me if you're heading off. Or, yeah. And I don't think you are, because I think that's where that's where we need to come back to and settle. Like, if we, if we were in Asaph's day here, this wouldn't have piqued our curiosity quite so much. It'd be probably more understood and just a part of our yeah, I think so. understanding. Yeah. Um, but because we are where we are, yeah. this kind of divine counsel stuff, which we're not super familiar mm-hmm. with, no. we it just raises a lot of questions. But where we need to come back to is not getting too overwhelmed with or super into the... Um, the identification the, yeah, of them. Yeah, the trivia behind it and, and mm-hmm. things like that. I mean, but like I said at the beginning, it's helpful to just understand how the world works. And that's why we ask these questions. And mm-hmm. Oh, sure. The biblical mindset. And that's why we ask these questions. But let's get back to what does this song teach us? How does it shape us? What does it remind us of? And and that's what you just brought us back to. Yeah. So, you know, and, and beyond Sunday discussions like this, you get to Psalm 82, it does not have uh, the type of applicational force that other scriptures have. What, you, what we're doing is we are, we are worshiping through stated realities, which means they are for us to believe. Out from the belief that God is in charge of all the divine counsel and he is censuring their, their lack of representing him well. Mm-hmm. It's out of that knowledge of that reality that I place my faith in him and say, God, please deliver me today from evil. There, there's such that these are, these are designed to be prayed. Mm-hmm. And so I don't get a prayer though until the very end. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. It would be a great prayer for me to pray anytime I see injustice in action. Mm-hmm. God, please, it's time. Please come and bring your true justice to the earth. So there's there's faith in the in the in the reality that's stated in the psalm. And then out from that, that faith comes a confidence in this world that God is the Almighty. And He's in He's in control of our lives. He is in control of His kingdom. And he has already expressed his displeasure for what we see in the world. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, as I did, I did say, and I, I tried to frame it as the way I put it to myself this past week, how pagan am I? So again, this is an opportunity for you and for me to assess the degree to which 
I am in these, I'm operating like those other kingdoms, which are led by these other kings, these other small gods. Mm -hmm. And, and of course, when I see what's happening here uh, in verse 7, nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. I know that I don't want that judgment. So I have to continue to uh, to reaffirm my uh, my part in the kingdom of God. Okay, so let's let's go there to verses six and seven. This, yeah. you know, kind of next part of the mm -hmm. psalm. I said, "You are God's sons of the Most High, all of you. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die." So, mm -hmm. um, does this mean that these spiritual beings will die uh, a physical death, like humans die, or is it a spiritual second death? I would say second death, and I would get that from uh, the book of the Revelation, which I alluded to some on Sunday. Because all I wanted to make sure we understood is that God actually will judge them in hell. Mm -hmm. Like the scriptures is clear that these angelic beings are going to be cast into the lake of fire as well. So there is a judgment on these beings. Yeah. And Revelation calls it the second death. Yes. It? Which yeah, was your, your that's what you quoted. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, and again, so staying in verses six and seven, but a mm -hmm. different mm -hmm. type of question here. Um, you, this is where you turn to the power of the gospel. And so this is, um, maybe a exegetical or hermeneutical type mm -hmm. question. Uh, you took the words of six and seven at the end with your power of the gospel slide and made yeah. it sound like it was prophetic of Jesus's mm -hmm. sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So the questioner says, to be blunt, I'm totally confused how that works. Mm -hmm. Doesn't this change the meaning? It does. Okay. No doubt it does. And yeah. And they say, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm asking, how does that work, and are there rules or guidelines, or is it how you're supposed to read the Psalms? So, uh, you know, to say, um, are there rules and guidelines? Yes. The rules and the guidelines are, you'll notice that the move, uh, the move that we make to the gospel is at the end. Mm -hmm. So chronologically, chronologically for me, that's important. It's at the end because we've already established the meaning. In verse 6, this is God addressing the other beings. Mm -hmm. So we've already established that that's the case, that that's, God addresses yeah. the other beings and says, you had this position, you're being demoted now and dethroned, and so death will await you. So we've mm -hmm. already established that part of the meaning. But the guideline, uh, uh, the guideline doesn't stop there because... Even though chronologically we, we've, we don't talk about the move to the gospel until after we've established the meaning of verse 6 mm -hmm. and verse 7, now we have to ask the question, how does the psalm function in light of the canon? So to whoever's addressing this, and I appreciate someone even asking the question, for someone to, to ask, are we changing the meaning? Mm -hmm. That depends on whether or not you think meaning is contained in the immediate context of Psalm 82, or can it be only found in the whole Bible as Psalm 82 fits the rest of redemptive history? And so our readings at Calvary Bible Church have always been, at least since my arrival, they've always been, the meaning of Psalm 82 is not complete until it's understood in the canon. Mm -hmm. So to, to, to change the words, now God addressing his son, Mm -hmm. that that is a way for me to use the wording of verse six 
but to show its prophetic nature. So I'm not sure if that was in the question or the comment, the word prophecy, or that was your, I can't remember whether it was the person's or yours. Yeah, um, it made it sound like it was prophetic of Jesus' sacrifice. Yes, and it is. So my understanding is that the Psalms work this way because in the book of Acts, for instance, the writer of Acts will say that David was a prophet. Mm-hmm. And so what I see in the Psalms is a uh, a total prophetic stance, always pointing forward to um, uh, to the to the Christ event. So I yes, that's the way I understand it that it is prophetic. Let me add to that question then. So why wouldn't you go to verse four, maybe rescue the weak and the needy? deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Like I could hear this coming out of your mouth and saying, God did not rescue Jesus when he was weak and needy and deliver him from the hand of... You could. It's very legitimate. The whole, this whole, um, the thought of trying to move from a psalm to the gospel uh, is... uh, there are many ways to do that in a text. Yeah. And so that contrast certainly in four would be one of them. And I have referred to that, you're right, numerous times in the Old Testament studies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Would the the guardrails be... And so I think the reason why this is even a good Beyond Sunday type mm-hmm. question mm-hmm. is because when I'm reading the Psalms myself and the faith family is, mm-hmm. we want to be good readers of the Bible and we want to know sure. how to do it well. Uh, and have a Christ-centered approach to it also. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think maybe, would you say it's safe to say that a a guardrail when we're reading is if we're making a claim like that, like verses 6 and Mm 7, or even like I said, verse 4 there, does that hold itself true in the account of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection, and ascension? Mm -hmm. And is it outside of the, or is it outside of the bounds of, you know, the Bible and mm. it's truth that it lays out for us? Yeah, you, you could, you could do that. Your, I mean, your best bet is to develop a strong foundation of what did, what did Psalm 84 mean? What did it mean? 82. Uh, Psalm 82, sorry. Uh, what did it mean? Uh, Psalm 84 for this coming Sunday. <laughs> what did Psalm 82 mean? Yeah. That's the, that's the place where we want to start. But of all, you know, when I look at, um, when I look at six and seven, um, the son of God, the son of the most high, who, he died like men. <laughs> it was so obvious mm. to me, but it's a, it's a, uh, and again, I appreciate whoever asked this, but uh, the next level people, if you happen to be next level in the next level cohort right now, you'll know that we spent more than uh, more than a few hours uh, trying to explain this type of reading of the Bible. So uh, it is uh, it's really interesting to think that that Old Testament was designed to do that. That Jesus and inter- Jesus taught us how to read the Old Testament, and so. What we're doing with Psalm 82 is exactly what Jesus taught us to do in Luke 24, for instance. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's a fascinating study. Yeah, yeah. I love it. It's one of my favorite, one of my favorite things to do. And what happens is, uh, it's interesting too. The person picked up on this. What happens is that if you really are practicing uh, reading the Old Testament like the apostles did, then what you discover is 
<laughs> the meaning seems like it changes. Yeah. But it doesn't. Uh, there is no change. Uh, actually, God's son does die like men. And he dies like men because of this rebellion that took place. I mean, there's so much about this. We could, you know, we could tell the story right. again. And that's what I was saying, like these guardrails, like that, you can say that, and that's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're not making stuff up and just no. adding things that no. didn't happen. That right. happened. That's a true statement. Yeah. It's, it's here and you're not. Just yeah, making stuff up. No, as opposed to, and again, whoever asked the question maybe might be thinking along. Uh, this is what I did on Sunday, and what we're doing right now is different from the type of allegorizing that happened uh, in some places in church history, where some little detail uh, was pulled out of the text, and it became, um, you know, uh, it became a symbol of the cross in some way. So we're not picking up on any detail at all. We're trying to say that the judgment that fell on Christ was this judgment that was uh, announced here. Mm -hmm. And again, just to flesh that out, right, it's because of God judging his son that we have now the opportunity to escape the judgment and to get out from under these kingdoms. Mm -hmm. There's a lot we could do with that, but... So that it's an insightful observation, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So I've got more questions, but they're not specific to this text, and they're uh -huh. just my own. So mm -hmm. we'll get to them another day. Okay. Um, I think again, as I was reading over Psalm 82, you know, yesterday and this morning again, just thinking mm -hmm. it over, um, I kept trying to come back to what's what's coming. Like, what's the main idea here in this? Uh, text and you know most Bibles have the subtitles "Rescue the Weak and the Needy" is what ESV has there. Yeah. Um, but I, I kept coming back to God's judgment uh, and His just judgment, mm -hmm. and I was looking at these connect like the connection between mm -hmm. verses one and eight. Yeah. So in verse one, God's in my mm -hmm. visual understanding, He's taking His seat uh, among the divine council mm -hmm. and He's holding judgment. And then verse eight is the cry: "Now arise, like." come and judge and judge justly. Yeah. Uh, so my my takeaway then was who is God? One, he is just and we need God's just judgment. And so that is something that just stabilizes my life knowing that despite the brokenness, despite the evil spiritual beings and forces in this world, God is still at mm -hmm. the head of that table. He's on the throne and I can cry out like the psalmist of verse 8 there, arise, God, and, and judge the earth, knowing that on this side of the cross, I'm spared because of what Christ did for me. And that not just stabilizes my life, but, but creates a gratitude within me for what he's done. And then I, I also want my heart to align with God's heart here. And these evil spiritual forces, going back to that, Bible project mm -hmm, illustration mm -hmm. just kind of creeping over and like puppeteering these mm -hmm. these kings of the nations. Yeah. Um uh, I I want to be the opposite of that and I I want to give justice right. verse, verse three, three and four to the weak and the fatherless. Yeah. I want to maintain the mm -hmm. right of the afflicted and the destitute. Yeah. And that's that's God's heart for the weak and the needy. Um and my 
heart should align with his as I know him and, and follow him. Is that okay? That's excellent. Okay. Because the whole point of what we were dealing with was since they misrepresented the rule of God on earth and are misrepresenting the rule of God, you and I can't. You and I have to represent him well. So uh, again, I, I did this quickly, but you and I in our homes, mm -hmm. we have to make sure that if we actually do have the advantage at times, yeah. then we need to make sure that we are using all of our influence and all of our authority, if it's God-given, mm -hmm. then we need to use it in the right way. And this, it's the same here at church. It's the same uh, you at, the, at your job. Uh, we have to be representing God well. And so verse 3 and 4 does become our, mm -hmm. uh, our instruction. So think about who in your life you have influence over or someone who in your life mm -hmm. might be physically weak, mm -hmm. needy, yeah. spiritually, relationally yeah. weak and needy, and care for them. Yeah, who Look needs out for them? Yeah, who needs you uh, to um, who needs you to comfort them, encourage them, help them, support them? Who needs that? Yeah, it's always it's always a, a reminder uh, for me. Okay, you know because uh, this is what God taught was teaching those um, those ruling authorities, those mm -hmm. superpowers, but the the instruction directly to them is implied to us mm. and so we have to we, we have to see that implication in order to make sense of what we're called to do gotcha so if we are in the kingdom of god this mm -hmm. is the type of heart that we have and so we're constantly working out away from the gods of this world and the way in which they operate it's a spiritual battle that we're winning because mm -hmm. of the holy spirit mm -hmm. Uh, and God being stronger, yeah, being you know p taking His place, presiding over the divine council. Mm -hmm. It's good stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. That's good mm -hmm. news for us. Great. Um, I'm done. That's it. That's yeah. That was longer than 20 minutes, yeah. though. Oh well. Okay. I, you went uh, a little long. I know. I was a little wordy today. Yeah. My joke was lengthy. Wow. Um, great. No, thank you again uh, for the questions. Uh, we appreciate them. You can email them into us any week. Uh, they're great for just the conversation here from week to week. So we love that. Love you guys. And we'll see you on Sunday. Lord willing. Not beyond Sunday. On, on Sunday. Sunday. All right, great. Hey, thanks, guys. See ya. Thanks again for joining us on today's episode. And remember, our Sunday sermons are meant to lead us to a life of worship beyond Sunday.